Hey, welcome to the C3 Pottstown podcast. This is John McKinley, your host, and this week we're going to continue a series that Pastor Robin started about the return of Jesus. Here's just a short clip of that. And he says, hey, why are you standing here watching? He said he's going to return again. This was that day, the day Jesus returns. He doesn't come as a baby that time. He comes as a conquering hero. We hope you enjoyed today's message, and you can always join us in person at C3 Pottstown in Pottstown, Pennsylvania. The Bible goes into great detail about this thousand-year reign in Revelation 19 and 20. Last week, we learned that for three and a half years, the unholy trinity, the dragon who was Satan, the Antichrist, the, the false prophet, will have significant influence on the world events. And you know what, what's interesting about this is that we have the Holy Trinity, who is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and we also had Jesus, who was on the earth for about three and a half years. And now there's going to be this three and a half years of complete devastation trying to be run by this unholy trinity. See, this diabolical trio will deceive as many as they can. They'll persecute those who accepted Christ during the seven-year reign and the Jews. They will be in control of the banking system. This terrible time will climax with the ultimate battle scene at the end of that time period. The Euphrates River will dry up and an army of two hundred million will march across that dry riverbed and take up positions in the valley of Armageddon in northern Israel. So I want you to visualize this, okay? Let's set the scene. We've got this valley and there's hills around the valley. And according to the context, there will be presidents there and kings will be there and prime ministers will be there and there will be all kind of world leaders and country rulers who will be at this scene the news outlets will be set up all around there will be israel down in the valley and all these soldiers will be up on the hills ready to take their positions to go in and to Take care of, annihilate, if you will, the nation of Israel. There's no Christians around to speak of because they have been taken out. They were taken out seven years ago before all this happened. And and there is is a, I'm going to pick on CNN, okay? There's a CNN reporter standing on one of the hillsides. And he's whispering into his microphone, kind of like he's at a golf tournament. And this last effort to annihilate Israel is about to break loose when suddenly, (laughs) it's like watching an old Western, you know, there's the cowboys and Indians and the Indians have them surrounded and the Indians are about ready to come in and, and then you hear the trumpet sound and here comes the cavalry. Well, it's gonna be a little different in those days. The trumpet will sound, and the war is going to end before it begins as the Messiah breaks through the sky to slay his enemies with the sword in his mouth. 
in preparation, this battle will end in a way no reporter there ever imagined. Well, John tells us about it in Revelation 19. We're going to take a look at that. If you, want, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to that. We'll start with verse 11. If not, it'll be on the, the screens here. Verse 11, 19. Then I saw heaven opened and a white horse standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. His eyes were like flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except him himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his title was the Word of God. He continues in verse 14. The armies of heaven dressed in the finest pure white linen followed him on white horses. You know who that's going to be? That's going to be us. We're going to have a seven-year banquet up there, the marriage feast of the lamb, and we're going to be riding right behind him. It says... From his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will release the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty, like juice flowing from the wine press. Then verse 16 says, On his robe at his thigh was written this title, King of kings and Lord of lords. That's the description. That's that's actually before the action starts. But... But there's a couple verses in there that I think they're, they're well, it's, it's kind of like the, the farmer, the farmer's wife who goes out in the morning to feed her chickens. You know, she'll go out there and she'll throw out the food. And here, chick, 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 chick. Well, this is an angel speaking. Said, so then I saw an angel standing in the sun shouting to the vultures. The vultures flying high in the sky. Come, gather together for a great banquet God has prepared. Come and eat the flesh of kings and generals and strong warriors, of horses and their riders and all of humanity, both free and slave, great and small. Now, the worst part about this is all these people, 200 million people, how many of those were deceived into thinking that the Antichrist was the leader of the world and was going to take them through to victory? That's the worst part about this. But anyhow, then the action begins. But now the, the leaders and the Antichrist and the false prophet All these 200 million soldiers, their focus is no longer on Israel. Their focus is now on Jesus. Listen to what it says. Then I saw the beast and the kings of the world and their armies gathered together to fight against the one sitting on the horse and his army. And the beast was captured And with him, the false prophet who did mighty miracles on behalf of the beast. Miracles that deceived all who had accepted the mark of the beast and who worshipped his statue. Then verse 20 says, both the beast and the false prophet were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. 
Their entire army was killed by the sharp sword that came from the mouth of the one riding on the sword. And the vultures all gorged themselves on the dead bodies. Friends, it took me longer to read those 11 verses this morning than it will take the Lord to deliver Israel from 200 million soldiers. They didn't stand a chance. After all the speeches, after all the persecution of the Christians during the tribulation, after forcing every person on the earth to worship the Antichrist or die, it was over. It was finished. It's the end of the Antichrist and his reign. It's the day that Jesus said he would return. It was the day. Remember when the angel was with the men on, on the mountain and they were looking up into the sky, watching Jesus disappear into the heavens. And he says, hey, why are you standing here watching? He said he's going to return again. This was that day. The day Jesus returns he doesn't come as a baby that time. He comes as a conquering hero. That in itself is an awesome day. But anyone who stands against God, for them it's going to be an awful day. The Antichrist and the false prophet will be thrown into the lake of fire. You know, there's a town in, in Pennsylvania called Centralia. There, there's an underground fire that started in 1962. I remember we took a ride in that direction. It was in the late 60s when we took a, a ride. And so the fire was, was kind of new. But they said the fire would never go out. I mean, back in, in the day in the 60s, there were 2,700 people that lived in that town. Today, there's 13 people who live there. Experts say it could burn for another 250 years. Well, you know, there's the lake of fire that's spoken about in the Bible. It's not going to burn for 250 years, no. It's going to be an eternal fire. And it will continually burn and burn and burn, and it's not going to consume anything that gets in its way. It's just going to torment it. You know, hell is not a popular subject. I've heard people ask, how can a God of love send people to this awful place called hell? Well, can I tell you this this morning, those of you watching by video, God doesn't send anyone to hell. People choose because God honors our choices here on earth. He allows them to shape our eternity regardless of our ultimate destination. Jesus described hell to us. But his main goal wasn't for us to, to talk about hell. It was to build a relationship and get to know his father. One person said, it isn't the fear of hell that saves us. It's knowing Jesus that saves us. So this morning, I don't want to scare, try to scare anyone into heaven. In fact, I can't. Those of you watching by video, those of you here in this room, if this message causes you to turn toward Jesus, that is great. But you won't stay there unless you allow a heart change in your life. You've got to change your heart. Well, chapter 20 starts out with the demise of Satan. 
Verse 1, it says, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven with the key to the bottomless pit and a heavy chain in his hand. He seized the dragon and the old, that old serpent, who is the devil, Satan, and bound him in chains for a thousand years. So Satan is bound up with chains. He can't get out. He can't get loosed for a thousand years. Look what verse 3 says. The angel threw him into the bottomless pit, which he then shut and locked so Satan could not deceive the nations anymore until the thousand years were finished. Afterwards, he must be released for a little while. Now, that's an interesting statement right there. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. So Satan is put into this bottomless pit for a thousand years. It doesn't say anything about torture. It doesn't say anything about being uncomfortable, except for he's going to be chained the whole time. Is he falling? We don't know. How far can you fall in a thousand years? Well, let me tell you how much space that God has, okay? It takes 200,000 light years to travel from one end of our galaxy to the other end of our galaxy. That's how big our galaxy is. It is estimated, and I don't know how they estimated this because if they were counting, they'd still be counting, okay? But it's estimated that there are 125 billion galaxies in the observable universe. That's what we can see. So God's got plenty of space. Satan could fall for a lot longer than a thousand years. But it's a thousand years is what the scripture says. Now let's get to the good part. The thousand year reign of Christ. Those who will reign with Jesus during the millennium. Who are they going to be? First of all, the martyrs from the tribulation. Look what it says in verse 4. It says, Then I saw thrones, and the people sitting on them had been given the authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for proclaiming the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or his statue, nor accepted his mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life again. And they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. So those who were killed during the tribulation time, they are going to be on thrones as judges is what the scripture tells us. And I can't stress this anymore. Those of you watching by video, those of you here, people can get saved during the tribulation, but it's a whole lot easier to get saved today than to have to face torture and martyrdom for the name of Jesus but that's what's going to have to happen once the rapture takes place and people are left on the earth so they're going to come to life and they are going to reign with the Lord and then those who share in the first resurrection now those people are part of the first resurrection because it says this is the first resurrection the rest of the dead did not come to life back to life until the thousand years had ended Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. For them the second death holds no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. So are we going to have different jobs than those who were martyred, the ones who were martyred? Are they going to be judges while they're on the earth and we're going to be priests along with the Lord? I don't know. I don't know what the offices would be with that. But we will reign with Christ for a thousand years, and we will. That's those of us who are raptured, 
And that should be all of us because all of us should accept Christ today. Whether you're dead when the rapture happens, you'll be resurrected. Or if you're alive, you'll be resurrected after the dead go up. But we will be with the Lord, reigning with him for a thousand years. And then it says, uh, tells us what things will be like during the millennium. Now we're going to have to go to the Old Testament for this. In Zechariah, listen to what it says. On that day, the sources of light will no longer shine, yet there will be continuous day. I like that. Only the Lord knows how this could happen. There will be no normal day or light, day or night, for at evening time, it will still be light. On that day, life-giving waters will flow from Jerusalem, half toward the Dead Sea and half toward the Mediterranean, flowing continuously in both summer and winter. And the Lord will be king over all the earth, and on that day, there will be One Lord, his name alone will be worshipped. There'll be no cults. There'll be no other people saying that they're prophets and they're... No, it'll be just Jesus. Just Jesus. But Zechariah says that the earth's light source will be different. And he's... Pretty much what he says, I don't understand it. Only God knows that. And there's going to be waters flowing out from Jerusalem... In two different directions, one toward the Mediterranean Sea, one toward the Dead Sea. So that would tell us that the Dead Sea will no longer be dead. What do you think? And then Zechariah continues in verse 10. It says, Jerusalem will be raised up in its original place and will be inhabited all the way from the Benjamin Gate over to the site of the Old Gate, then to the Corner Gate and from the Tower of Hananel to the King's Wine Presses. And Jerusalem will be filled, safe at last, never again to be cursed and destroyed. So I don't know what's going to happen here. I don't know, you know, Jerusalem, the the city of Jerusalem, the temple site, it's going to be raised, it says. It's going to raise up. Now, my wife, she's she's wanted to go to Israel for for a while and... And I always told her, I said, I'm not interested in going to Israel. I said, I don't want to go there until Jesus has control of it. And this is it. Zechariah tells us about that. He takes, takes control of it. And then what will life be like during the millennium? I mean, we know Jesus will be king. And he will rule over us like no earthly ruler has ever ruled before. He'll rule with justice and love and with no hidden agenda, no personal agenda. The saints who participated in the first resurrection will be there. We will all have resurrected bodies, which will be eternal. Listen to what it says in Isaiah chapter 11. On that day, the wolf and the lamb will live together. The leopard will lie down with the baby goat. The calf and the yearling will be safe with the lion. And listen to this. And a little child, yeah, a little child will lead them all. The cow will graze near the bear. The cub and the calf will lie down together. The lion will eat hay like a calf. The baby will play safely near the hole of the cobra. Yes, the little child can put his hand in a nest of deadly snakes without harm. According to Isaiah 65, something similar is written in there. We're going to live in harmony with Jesus on the throne. During the millennium, we'll experience what it's like to have a righteous government 
because Jesus will be the governor. In fact, Isaiah told us about that too. We often take a look at this scripture as just being a Christmas scripture. It says, for unto us a child is born, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. So, life is going to be good. They're going to be the best days we ever have here on this earth. Well, let's talk about the end of the thousand-year reign. Satan is released. Revelation 20, verse 7 says, Then a thousand years, uh, when the thousand years come to an end, Satan will be let out of his prison. He will go and deceive the nations called Gog and Magog in every corner of the earth. He will gather them together for battle, a mighty army as numerous as, as uh, the uh, sand along the seashore. And I saw them as they went up on a broad plain of the earth and surrounded God's people and the beloved city. So the question I've heard it asked, why? Why is Satan going to be released? I mean, a thousand years of, of, of just tranquility here on the earth. Everyone getting together. Animals. The, usually one eats the other one. We'll be getting together. One government, one person to, to worship. For a thousand years, I don't think people are going to die during the thousand years, but I think people will be born during the thousand years. So the only thing I can surmise is those who were born during the thousand years, they never had a choice between good and evil like Adam and Eve had. And it seems to me that is what the Lord is doing here. He's giving these folks the chance to choose. Just like he gave Adam and Eve a chance, just like he's given us a chance, he's going to give them a chance. But I'll tell you, Satan is the big deceiver. You think you can outwit Satan? I'm telling you right now, you better have the Holy Spirit in your life guiding you every day because he will deceive even the very elect, the scripture says. These people who never knew evil are going to be deceived by Satan, and he's going to have a mighty army. And listen to what it says. It says, as numberless as the sand along the sea. His deception is going to draw many people away from the Lord. And the scripture says that they're going to surround the beloved city. And listen to what the next verse says, verse 9. Fire came down from heaven on the attacking armies, and consumed them. You see, the devil's a deceiver. He's even deceived himself because he thinks he can still beat God, and he can't. It says, Then the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet. There they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Think about this. The beast and the false prophet who were humans were already in there for a thousand years and they had not been consumed. 
day and night, tormented. And it will last forever and ever. The last few verses talks about the final judgment. The great white throne. And that's, the, that's called the second death. Those of us who have been raptured, who have glorified bodies, we will not see any of that. Immediately following the thousand-year reign, the great white throne judgment, there will be a new creation. We're going to talk about that next week. That's going to be the final uh, message on this series, new creation next week. You don't want to miss it. The new creation is the new heavens and the new earth. It will replace the current earth. This will become our home for all eternity. Friends, blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. Rejoice and look forward to it because the best is yet to come. Thanks for tuning in to this week's C3 Podcast. We hope you tune in next week as well. If you would like to partner with us financially to spread this even further, go to c3potstown.com give. Have a great day.